0: Today's message is Knee Mail. The title is Knee Mail. K-N-E-E, Mail. Not email, knee mail. And I want to read you a story before we get into the scriptures. And it says, what prayer can do. Thank goodness I had my minister Bill with me while I waited out my husband's kidney operation. I would have hated to be here alone. The thought made me look over at the other person in the waiting room. It was a young woman sitting on the floor with an empty baby carrier beside her. I guessed by her attire that she came from Africa. Do you think we should offer to pray for her? I asked Pastor Bill. That's a good idea, he said. Go ahead. Me? He was the professional here. I didn't have any experience praying with strangers. I approached her timidly. I knew different cultures have different views on personal space. I didn't want to offend her. Would you like to pray with me? I asked. The woman nodded and moved to a chair. I sat down beside her without thinking. I put my arm around her shoulder and took her hand in mine. Why did I do that? I thought, hadn't I just reminded myself to respect her space? If she was offended, she was too polite to say so. The two of us prayed for several minutes and then chatted on and off for the next few hours. My new friend from Nigeria, her daughter Grace, was having open-heart surgery. When the tiny baby was finally wheeled by on a gurney, the woman leaped up to follow. That was the last I saw of her until a week later. I'd arrived to take my husband home, but was a little early, so I decided to check on baby Grace in the neonatal intensive care unit. Try not to throw your arms around her mother, I warned myself. Grace was sleeping peacefully with her mother beside her. She would be going home soon. I knew that news was an answer to her mother's prayer, but it turned out it wasn't the only one. That day in the waiting room, I was so desperate, she confided to me. When you walked over, I had just asked God to send someone To put their arm around me and pray. Please open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to take you through some scriptures this morning. And I was just thinking over the years and just with the camp coming up this week, you know, a pastor um, and a coach have very similar callings. We try to prepare our team, the individuals on our team, for service, for the game. And every week you come here or every Wednesday night when you come here, you're hearing God's word preached to you. We're preparing you for works of service. Those things that are going on in your life, the good, the bad, the things, all those things that Pastor Joe prayed for today. Just think of all that trials and tribulations that every one of us go through. And think of that woman that I read in the story that she followed the leading of the Holy Spirit to go and pray with this stranger in a hospital. Maybe some of you have had similar experiences. But if not... I want to challenge and encourage you this morning that those opportunities are out there for every single one of us. Bar none. Doesn't matter your age. Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. We're going to go through uh, several scriptures this morning and looking at this topic of Niemale. Genesis 2, 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Very vulnerable when you don't have any clothes on. Open to any kind of interference. But notice they were not ashamed. Something drastically takes place when we go to Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. Genesis 3.8. Actually, let's pick it up in verse 7. Genesis 3.7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. You know, right there in that verse, we have the first religion. Here are two people that disobeyed God's command of eating from every uh, tree you could eat from except one. So they decided to eat from this one tree that God told them not to. So we see there God's free will, the free will that you and I still have today. But with this verse here, verse 7, for the first time ever, they realized they did not have clothes on. And look what they tried to do. They tried to cover themselves. For such a long period of time, they never had any covering. God was their covering. But they disobeyed God. And they tried to take care of it themselves. As we continue, they sow the fig leaves together. Now, you and I know there's all degrees of intelligence in this church today. Fig leaves? Ever touch a fig leaf? Ever hear a burlap? Sandpaper? Fig leaves? It's not the best stuff to close yourself in. It's irritating. doesn't do the job. It hurts. Basically... That's what religion is. We try to cover ourselves behind it. You and I have been exposed to Jesus Christ in a relationship. Religion is man's effort to reach to God. Christianity, true Christianity, is God reaching down to you and to me through his son, Jesus Christ. It's a personal interaction. Verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Huh. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. Must have done it before. They were familiar with the footsteps. And notice what time of day it was. The cool of the day. You know, any time you're with the Lord, it's a cool part of the day. Amen? It's cool. It's relaxing. It should be. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Oh, no. This is not when they wanted to play hide-and-seek. This was something they did out of shame, out of guilt. And they hid themselves. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, do you think God knew where he was? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can't hide from God. But these are the same people that cover themselves with fig leaves. You can't hide from God. He knew where they were. But you know what? God always meets us where we are. He always is trying to communicate with you. The question that we're looking at today is how well do we communicate back to Him? How well do we interact with Him. Or, do we hide ourselves? It's easy. There were a lot of trees in the garden. It's easy to hide ourselves from God in the blessed country that we live in. You can hide yourself in your job. You can hide yourself in your hobbies. You can hide yourself in your family. The list goes on. We can hide ourselves in all different places, but God is asking you and me today is where are you where am i in our relationship with Jesus where are we how's our interaction with him verse 10 so he said i heard your voice in the garden and i was afraid <clears throat> because i was naked and hid myself verse 11 and he said who told you that you were naked Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Verse 10, I heard your voice. Do you hear God's voice? Understand there's other voices we can listen to though, right? There's other voices that can take our attention. Do you have a daily time to experience the presence of God? And and you might be thinking, man, prayer, that's... Oh no, we're going to speak on prayer today. Well, you got to throw that mindset out, okay? If you're like me, you're getting up, maybe a half hour before work, you're showering, you maybe grab something to eat, and you're rushing out the door to your job. Okay, I want to come to you today with this thought. There's more time that you and I have to pray now than we've ever had before. And I'm going to tell you why. I have an eight-minute drive to work every morning. By myself in the car what a great time to pray there's 8 minutes 16 coming round trip I have a dead time during my school day we call it a prep period it's like 42 minutes I can use some of those t- that time to pray I'm walking in between classes going down the hallway Oh, I just pray for that girl over there Lord just touch her heart today Uh, Look at that group of teens down there, Lord. Just bless them today. Bring somebody into their life that speaks to them about you. Natural occurrences. Lord woke me up at 4 o'clock this morning. I was praying for you. I said, Lord, don't have these people stone me today. (laughs) Just give them open ears and open hearts to receive what you have put on my heart today. I found over the last few years that When the Lord wakes me up in the nighttime, that's the best time to spend time with him. Whether it's for five minutes, ten minutes, an hour. So I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning to try to take some of the dead time in your day to use that to speak to Jesus. And we don't have to have him ask us, where are you? We can just say, Lord, here I am. I want to spend some time with you. I'm here. And the cool thing is the Lord was the one walking in the garden. He was coming to Adam and to Eve. He initiates prayer. He's always there for us, 24/7, 365. You don't have to turn to this as a few other passages we'll turn to, but in Ephesians 6:18 it says, "Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints." Basically, it's saying, pray all the time. Be abiding in Christ when you're praying. Be watchful all the time. Be alert. Persevere, because it's not always going to be easy when you pray. And pray for all of your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Pastor Joe did that today. For people overseas that are being persecuted and killed. We have something that is free. It's wireless. It's priceless. No, it's not the cell phone. We wish, but it's prayer. It gets right to the heart of God immediately. If you're a believer in Him. If you're a believer in Him. In Genesis 4, verses 6 and 7. Genesis 4, 6, and 7. Since you're in Genesis, you can flip over those, that page. It says, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. There's obstacles in our prayer life. There's obstacles. We're going to see some today in some of the scriptures we go to, but here's one off the, right off the bat. There's sin. Sin can keep you from your communication with the Lord. But we have an advocate. We have a helper. We have a fighter at the Father's side, Jesus Christ, who's interceding for you and me. He's praying for you and me right now. That's so important to understand what he's doing. And that when he died on the cross and he shed his blood, that opened up all these avenues that sometimes I think I take for granted and I think you take for granted too. Matthew 6 talks about that when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you go into your room and when you have shut your door. Well, you know, in that drive to work, I can shut the door. I'm shutting the door on anything that's just an obstacle in my life at the time. You know, whatever's going on, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm just shutting it out for a while to just spend time with Jesus one on one. In 1 Thessalonians, it talks about pray without ceasing. To pray without ceasing. How do you do that? Well, I'm praying right now as I'm talking to you. I'm allowing the Spirit to just tell me, then just pray that these, this word penetrates your heart. Just like we pray when any pastor is speaking here or guest speaker's up here. Just touch the people's hearts. What do they need to hear today? How imperative is, Pastor Joe said this, before and I was going to mention it the time is urgent right now we're only like 3 or 4% of the world the rest of it is burning up we just haven't seen it right here in this on our shores the world is crazy and how do you pray do we have to kneel down my joints were good like they were maybe 10 years ago I do that right now I kneel down for you, but I'm going to remain standing. So you can kneel down and pray. That's one way you can pray. You can lay prostrate on the floor and pray. You can raise your hands to the heavens to pray. I was talking to a telephone repairman. He said the best time for him to pray is when he's hanging upside down on the telephone wire. An army guy said the best time for him to pray was when he was in a foxhole ready to charge a hill. Another person says when they were in the uh, concentration camps during World War II. Boy, what an intense prayer that was. Or when they stormed Normandy Beach just before they got out of the PT boats. Intense time to pray. Some of you who have served in Vietnam in here, I bet it was an intense time to pray when you guys were going into the jungles. See, it's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? when we pray, how we pray, the intensity of our prayer. But if Jesus Christ was standing right in front of your face right now and just hugging you and loving you and talking to you, how focused would you be on Him? Yet That's exactly what's happened every time you and I pray to Jesus and interact with Him. In Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, Verses three to nine, it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you know God's blessings and promises? Do you know what they are? I'm just going to throw out a few to you. Do you know you have an inheritance coming? Do you know you're sanctified, set apart by the Lord? Do you know you're a child of God, that you're a citizen of heaven? Do you know that you're a new creature in Christ? Do you know you have peace with God and you have the peace of God? Do you know your name is written in the book of life? Do you know you have victory over death? Do you know you have eternal life? Do you know that you have God's presence right with you? Do you know that Jesus is fighting and supporting us at the Father's side? Do you know that Jesus prays and intercedes for us? Those are just some of the blessings and the promises of God. Verse 4 of Ephesians says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. You've been adopted. Everybody, you've been adopted into God's family. You are His son or His daughter if you've trusted Him. Now, how do you get to know your new parents? How do you get to know a new mom and dad if you were adopted into that family? Well, through communication and through interactions, things that you do together. That's going to be the natural flow of your developing relationship with that parent. It's the same thing with our Lord. It's the same thing that's going on. In uh, Acts 2, 42, it says that the apostles... Continued steadfastly in doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And not only the apostles, but everybody who was following Jesus. They would get together, go, go through the scriptures, they would have fellowship with one another, they would eat together, and they would pray. And we know here that happens a lot, here at Calvary Chapel. That's awesome. There's always things centered around the word. There's times of prayer that you can have corporately. But I want to encourage you individually today. How are you doing? Where are you with your interaction with the Lord? Are you taking advantage of those times? Let's turn to Matthew 26. Now you might be saying, well, Vin, I've been praying and really I'm not getting the answer to my prayers. Okay, I'm not getting those answers. Or, yeah, I've prayed and I've seen the Lord work mightily in my life. I've seen him do things mightily. And somebody else might say, well, I've been praying for a long time, but I don't see any result of this. Uh, You know, I'm hanging in there, but uh, I don't see much happening. There's this little guy, little boy. He wanted a baby brother or sister so bad. So bad. And he kept bugging his dad. He goes, Daddy, I just want a baby brother, baby sister, someone I can play with. And, and the father's saying, well, how can I use this? He goes, well, listen, I'll tell you what, Johnny. I want you to pray hard every day for two months. And maybe the Lord will bless you with a baby brother or sister. So the kid's eyes light up and he goes, really, Dad? He goes, yeah, why don't you try doing that? Just pray every day for two months. So Johnny runs to his room and he starts praying. He's going. A month goes by and he starts to get discouraged. He becomes very skeptical because he's been out of the neighborhood. He's been telling everybody what he's doing. And some of the kids are teasing him and some other people are saying, well, you know, Johnny, that's really never happened before in this neighborhood. I don't even know if that's happened anywhere in the world. So Johnny's bummed out. So he stops praying. A month goes by. His mother's taken to the hospital and she comes home with a bundle. Goes in her room and, and dad says, Johnny, come here. I want you to see something. So Johnny comes in and he comes in and his dad goes, uncovers the bundle. And it's not one, but two babies. It's twins. And the father goes, Johnny. Aren't you so happy that you kept praying and persistent in prayer? And Johnny goes, yeah, I guess so, Dad. But aren't you glad I stopped a month early? (laughs) The The persistence of prayer. Just keeping at it, never knowing the results knowing that God's in control. Let's take a look at Matthew 26, verses 40 to 45. <clears throat> Matthew 26, 40 to 45. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? How many of you? And I'll, I'll raise my hand, and I have witnesses. There's, t- <laughs> there's times when you pray... Have you ever nodded off or, you know, going to sleep? Well, just last week at the prayer meeting here, we go around in a circle. And guess who was sleeping when it was their turn to pray? (laughs) Pastor (laughs) Vinny! And Christine was, her legs are a little too short to reach me. She was trying to kick me to help me out, but she couldn't reach me. So tonight when we pray, we're going to have string tied around everybody so we're holding on so you can tug them like this and now. But human nature, there's human nature that kicks in too. Okay, so uh, tonight I think we're going to march around the church and pray rather than sit down. But here we see with the apostles at a very, very intense time of Jesus's life in the garden. Jesus says, could you not watch with me for just one hour? And then he goes on in verse 41, and Jesus says, Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. I want to just encourage all of us today to understand the uh, time of our history right now. Things in turmoil in our government, crime, drugs, um, Boys and girls being abduct, abducted for uh, slave sex slave trade. The amount of addictions that are in our country. And then if you go out of our country, it, it's, it's the same and it gets worse with people just not turning to the Lord. Just paying attention to that God who came to Adam and Eve in the garden to say, where are you? Trying to say to those guys, girls, I'm right here. I love you. I'm your creator. I just want to get back in touch with you. Please turn to me and cry out to me. Go to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread. So, when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. When I was reading this, I was thinking of Pastor Saeed and what's going on and how so many people are praying for him. We have yet to hear about or see the miracle, but understand, we can almost guarantee, because our God is involved, there are a lot of miracles going on while Pastor Saeed is in prison. Not because I know Pastor Saeed, but because we know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 6, And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Before I jump down to 7, are you like Peter? We're like Peter a lot in the negative ways, but here's a pretty cool positive one. I remember when our Savior was in a boat going over the Sea of Galilee in a storm and he was sleeping in the front of the boat. Notice here, Peter surrounded by all these soldiers. His buddies were just killed. He's sleeping. He's sleeping in a prison. What prison are you and I in today? What prison are you and I that we've come here with, chained to? What's that adversity in our life today that we feel like enclosing us, it's smothering us. Well, understand, I believe, that what Jesus is trying to tell you and me is that when we are interacting with Him, we can rest assured that He's in control and we don't have to be. And that's a tremendous spiritual, mental, and even physical peace to be where Peter is right now, where he's sleeping, surrounded by his enemies and in the prison walls. Verse 7, now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up. He was sleeping so good, the angel had to poke him. Picture that. Pete, wake up, buddy. Wake up. That's a sound sleep. The Lord had to get his attention. And he did. Arise quickly. And notice his chains fell off his hands. Verse 8. Then the angel said to him, "'Gird yourself and tie on your sandals.' And so he did. And he said to him, "'Put on your garment and follow me.' So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision." He thought he was just dreaming. He thought it was just a vision. He didn't realize this was really happening to him. Verse 10, "'When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord.'" Yeah, right. I think the Lord went, open up the gate. And they went out and they went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate. But she ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. Now, can you picture this? Oh, dear, we're all together. Dear Lord, just uh, send an angel to deliver Peter. Lord, just take care of him. Give him the strength that he needs. Rhoda, go answer the door. Rhoda, go answer the door. And Lord, just be with him and, and just protect us. And Rhoda comes by and goes, Guys, Peter's here. What are you, crazy? How many times do we pray that we don't expect answers to our prayer? What the heck are we praying for? We are sons and daughters of the King. The King. Are there obstacles to prayer? Yeah. There's a world, the flesh, the devil, vying for our attention. Those are the voices. Remember in the garden, what voice are you listening to? But if we listen to the voice of our Savior... Special things can take place. Now, notice in verse 15 it says, They said to uh, Rhoda, You are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said to it, Oh, it's just his angel. Well, you want to let the angel in? (laughs) If the angel is knocking, I mean, they're ignoring the angel too. In verse 16, now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you don't know. Notice, if you and I engage in prayer, and remember, prayer is just talking to God. It's just talking to him. If we pray, we're taking an active step. An engagement with our Savior. 1 Samuel 12, 23 says, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good in the right way. Notice Samuel was saying, if he's not praying for the people, he's sinning against the Lord. Now remember, sin is missing the mark. There's a bullseye. I'm pulling back the arrow and the bow. Pew, I missed the mark. It used to be called sin when you missed that mark. We know it from a spiritual standpoint. So God is saying, hey, my children, talk to me. Engage with me whenever you can. Do it all the time. Are we listening to God's word Challenge, question, are we listening to God's word? If not, he's not listening to our petitions. Let me just say that again. Are we listening, are we obeying his word? If we're not, he's not listening to our petitions. See, obedience opens up the avenue for communication and interaction. Are we doing things that are pleasing in His sight? To know Him and to know His will, you must know His word. To know Him and know His will, you must know His word. They're all connected. I want to challenge you to start being a word warrior. A word warrior that knows the word. You hide his word in your heart so that you do not sin against him. Psalm 145, 18, you do not have to turn to it. But the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Truth means sincerity, reality. And the scripture goes on to say his word is truth. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Jesus will do what he promises in his word. If you're not praying according to his word, you're not praying according to his will. George Mueller, a great pastor of another century, used to always pray with his Bible open. He would read the Word, and then he would pray the Word. When you know the Word, you know what you're going to pray for, and it's always according to God's will. Remember, the Holy Spirit helps in your weakness when you pray. You might not always know what to pray, but in Romans 8, 26 and 27, it talks about that. That when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf and brings it to the throne of God. Even if it's just a groan, things are going on and you're just going, oh, the Holy Spirit can intercede. He interprets that to the Father. Remember, one of the obstacles in prayer is not seeing the fruition of your prayer, not getting an answer right away to your prayer. Well, I want to encourage you in Daniel 10, 12 and 13. Again, you do not have to turn to it. It's something you can look at later. Daniel prayed and his prayer, answer to prayer was delayed three weeks. There was a three-week delay because in the atmosphere, as soon as Daniel started praying, God sent an angel down to minister to Daniel. The only problem was the prince of Persia, which was an angelic being, over in Persia back then is today Iran that controlled the atmosphere there was fighting the angel that was being sent to Daniel. I want you to understand there's a spiritual warfare going on. Ephesians 6 talks about that. There's a warfare going on. And don't think that you and I are not in the warfare. No different than Daniel was. Okay? We need to be persistent in our prayer. To be persistent. Prayer is a tactical weapon. Charles Spurgeon says the lungs of the church are its prayer warriors and its prayer meetings. The lungs of the church. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on his knees. Think about that one, huh? The weakest Christian, when Satan sees the weakest Christian praying, he trembles. That is a tactical weapon that you and I have prayer. Warfare and damage are done in the arena of prayer. Warfare and damage are done in the arena of prayer. We can't be with Pastor Saeed. I would like to equip all of us, fly over there, do a stealth mission, break them out of prison. That'd be awesome. Be a great movie. But we're not called to do that. But we have something more important to do. And God has given us the weapon to do it. And that is to pray. It's never too late to start. It's never too late to start. In Luke 23 42 to 43, Jesus was like this. Hanging on a cross. And there was a guy to his left and to his right. And in verse 42 it says, Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. See, it wasn't too late for that thief to pray. It's never too late for you and I to pray. Never. Never we can start right now Jesus in Revelation 22:20 20 says I am coming quickly That's what Jesus said at the end of Revelation I am coming quickly And John the author of the book of Revelation says Amen Even so come Lord Jesus And I think that is our prayer. Lord, come quickly. But again, if the Lord came five years ago, three years ago, would you have been his child then? Some of you know. If he came 30, 40 years ago, I would not have been his child. So the Lord's timing is perfect. We know He's coming back one day for us. We want Him to come quickly. But you and I have to be about our Father's business. The way we know our Father's business is to be in our Father's book so we know His will. And Jesus, who is always interceding on your behalf and my behalf, says in John seventeen twenty, I do not pray for these alone. And these alone means all his disciples and apostles. Jesus knew that he was going to be going to the cross. He knew he was going to be resurrected and ascended to heaven. So he had a prayer. He said, I don't pray for just my beloved ones that are with me right now, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And I'm looking at those people that Jesus was praying for way back then with his apostles. And notice what he says here, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. If you're an NBA basketball fan, you just got over the NBA playoffs. Now, if you're not an NBA uh, sports fan, you can still go to heaven. That's not going to be held against you. <laughs> but sometimes in sport, there is a, some great analogies. There were three very good players on the San Antonio Spurs. They've been playing for over 15 years. And there was a thing said on TV that said, these guys got over themselves a long, long time ago. In sports, there's superstars. And some of those guys know they're superstars. They'll tell you they're superstars. They make sure the papers tell you that they're the superstars. Then there's superstars that got over themselves a long time ago. And what the announcer was saying, um, this particular team, the Spurs, was playing against LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, three superstars that were traded for a lot of money down in Miami years ago. But these three guys on the San Antonio Spurs, who got over themselves a long time ago, were one mindset with Coach Popovich, the head coach. It was phenomenal to watch. One of those superstars was about to come into the game for a player to be substituted for because that one player on the court was not doing well. But then he had just made a basket. So the coach called the superstar back. And the superstar who was down on his knee at the score clock got up. He ran back to the bench. He just ran, turned, and started being a cheerleader in the game. That's against human nature, that kind of stuff. Usually they go back like there's a pity party and now the coach has another attitude to deal with. But not on this team because they were one mind with the coach. Guys, girls, brothers and sisters in Christ, how much impact can you and I make if we're one mindset with our Creator? He's given us His playbook, the Word of God. We just have to be in it and pray for one another. All the time. God has done tremendous things in this body. There's been things happening throughout the years we've been here. God isn't through yet. But he wants everybody on the court at the same time. He doesn't want any spectators. We become usable to the Lord as we interact with him. And get close to him. And tight with him. We're all on the same page. In closing... Luke 3, 21. Before I get to that part, I want you to picture this. The garden, I mean, look, how beautiful is it out these last days with everything so green and the skies at night are so pretty and and if it's cool weather out, it's just fantastic. Fantastic. And I was thinking and preparing a message just about the Garden of Eden. How beautiful that must have been. How fantastic. And if you saw... I believe it was the first Jurassic Park. Okay? And there was a scene where they're in the Jeep and they're on the grounds of Jurassic Park and the scientist is yapping. He's talking and his girlfriend gets up and and puts her head out of the roof of the Jeep and just looks. And we don't know what she's seeing yet. Do you remember this? She doesn't know what she's seeing yet. And then she taps him on the shoulder and points. And as he's looking, We look, and what we see is a beautiful, like a garden, a big lake, and all the dinosaurs and things are flying around, and they're all just there. It was like a moment, like, wow, that is fantastic. It's like a piece of heaven. Look how beautiful this is. In Luke 3, 21, when all the people were baptized... It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Well, remember, baptism is a form of death. Some of you, a lot of us, have been baptized, and we went under the water, we died to ourselves. We're no longer impressed with ourselves. We've come out, resurrected to a new life in Christ because He paid for our sins. He rose from the dead and we too will rise with Him. And while He prayed, the heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon Him. And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my beloved Son, And in you I am well pleased. And I believe this, that every time you take the time and I take the time to stand in the presence of the Holy Spirit because that's the only way it can happen. And remember, water is a lot like, is an analogy of the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures. So when we stand in the presence of God and we pray, I believe that what has happened here, that Jesus gave us the example, that the Father is saying To you and to me. That's my beloved daughter. There's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Let's pray. Paul and